to episode 54 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast, where we talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, Frontline and other degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt, and joining on this podcast today is Alison, Daniel and Kim. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Hold on, give me a moment. city, everyone. Yeah, it's yeah. Good, to be, good to be back. It is good to be back. Oh, it's, it's great. It's uh, like a an old pair of underwear that you put back on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you were, tr- you were trying to think of something clean to say and just, no. It's a clean old they pair clean. of underwear, yeah. I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a washed <laughs> pair of underwear, okay, fine. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. it's like that we're one big family. Oh, oh. yeah, jeez. Foreshadowing. There oh, Oh, well, well, thank you if you're listening to us again. If you stay subscribed, it has been a while since um, and I hope you finally listened to the bonus episode that we did over the break. Now we're back and we're going to finish off um, season two. Or I should say, let's start on season two of Frontline. But until then, we have a little bit of paperwork to do, I believe. <laughs> At the time of this recording, which was uh, early February 2024, thank God you're here, have you been paying attention, and the cheap seats are returning to TV. Thank God they're returning. And usually the the, uh, the topical series usually return around about May, uh, but nothing has been confirmed as yet. No, but those three shows have, have been confirmed. We don't know what's happening with Utopia, if it needs another season, because... Uh, it's you can't really tell. It was okay, but yeah, they've done five. It's just too much like reality these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only so much you can lampoon when it comes to government. Also, a big cheerio to a listener, gentleman named Lawson, who has decided to be very charitable and donate five dollars to our buy me a coffee account (laughs) yeah that'll get you a coffee in sydney a small coffee but still a coffee (laughs) very tiny coffee buymeacoffee.com slash tls champagne pod if you think we're worthy of uh, a a espresso or something like that yep then by all means not pod coffee it's coffee for the pod (laughs) cast (laughs) podcast yes also, I'm sure that there's something else that's happening out there. Uh, does anyone have anything to report? Yeah, um, I spotted something. There's a new series on Stan called Prosper. I think it's on Stan. And it stars Richard Roxburgh. And it's about um, an evangelical uh, priest. I think it's very much based on ah. her song. But one of the producers is Jason Stevens. Ah, so, friend of the podcast. Yeah, he's he's getting into prestige drama now. I haven't seen it. I'm sure. I'm sure it's very good. Anyway, um, on Stan, or you can probably get it elsewhere um, if you know where to look. I imagine. Which uh, which is also where you can watch episodes of Frontline. So, you know, two two good reasons to join up. All right, let's get into it, shall we? Oh, Jesus! It's Daniel G and his program guide. Last Frontline episode, I talked about uh, what the ABC played once Frontline had come off the air. 
Um, and this is basically a continuation. I talked about 1994 last episode, and now we're uh, into the new year of 1995. Yay! I'll start with the ABC 8 o'clock Monday slot. After what seemed like week upon interminable week of as time goes by, there's just two more weeks left of it. Uh, before we move on to another uh, British series. Does the name Gary Sparrow mean anything to anyone? Oh, yes. Yes. It's that one set in the 40s, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, called Goodnight Sweetheart. That's that the one. one. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, a British comedy series about a modern-day TV repairman played by Nicholas Lindhurst who finds himself transported back to the 1940s and can actually go between wartime 1940s and present-day early 90s. Then after that, around about late April, we get a seven-part Australian comedy series about a new police team formed to combat growing crime. You might know it very well, but let's hear the thing. In an attempt to crack down on crime, the police department has created an elite new team, a team that speaks the language of the streets. Young, hip, in touch with the now generation, Funky Squad. Excellent theme, isn't it? It is brilliant. So, yes, another Working Dog production that they seem to make between uh, seasons one and two of Frontline. A parody of uh, 70s cop shows uh, starring Tim Ferguson as Blair Steele as Grant, Jane Kennedy as Verity Spence and Hart as Cassie, Santo Chilaro as Joey Alvarez as Styx, and Tom Gleisner as Harvey Zadalka Jr. as Poncho, receiving far fewer lines than he did uh, as his appearance as uh, Colin Conacher. <laughs> <laughs> also, just to point out that we will be covering Onky Squad on the Champagne Comedy Podcast. So just want to put that in there. But I do have to get approval from everyone else on the team. So Alison, Kim, Daniel, are you good for Approved. that? Approved. Yeah, all yeah. right, done. Yeah. yeah. Tough life. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, we've, we've, got, we, we've got a very long list and thankfully Funky Squad is, is higher up on the list of priorities than, say, um, Pacific Heat or Pictures of You or um, Audrey What's-Her-Name doing the cooking. Audrey Gordon. <laughs> Audrey Gordon. That's the one. <laughs> we've got a long list. This podcast will never die. <laughs> just in case we never get round to doing a good night sweetheart uh, podcast, can I just point out that that this um, sort of light lighthearted hilarity of him going between the nineteen forties and the nineteen nineties involves quite a lot of bigamy, more bigamy than you would expect in any other sitcom. Um, so anyway, go, go go grab it from your local I don't know cash converters or whatever. <laughs> and check out the bigamy. <laughs> Videos related to bigamy sections, probably quite a few. <laughs> That's the one. Yep. 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 All right. So after uh, seven episodes of Funky Squad, now why seven episodes? Basically because the series that appears after it is only six episodes long. Uh, the Vicar of Dibley. Um, now I believe we've got uh, a bit of uh, Vicar of Dibley to uh, to play for you now. Mm, rock and roll music is all very well, <laughs> but what do you think the new vicar is going to say? But Lord Carstairs, I am the new vicar. <laughs> but this is preposterous. You're you're 
I say, madam, what are you doing here? If the new vicar finds you, there'll be hell to pay. Uh, I hate to tell you this, Mayor Hacknell Spiffington, but this is the new vicar. <laughs> Good lord! I say, what's all this infernal racket? I don't know, Lady Wisby Trent Spompington Beaufort. Perhaps you should ask the new vicar. <laughs> what the? I'm sorry, is there a problem? <laughs> There certainly is. You're a woman. What? I am. I was wondering what these were. <laughs> All right, so that's not actually the Vicar of Dibley. That's uh, Martin Malloy <laughs> from the uh, Poop Shoot album, I think. Yeah, I mean, apart from all of the uh, the, the tea spitting, um, that's pretty much uh, that first episode. Everybody going, but she's a woman. Um, incidentally, that uh, little bit of uh, theme music at the end of the Martin Lewis sketch is called Soap Suds. Ah, cool. So did you have to Shazam that or did you already know that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he knew it. He's known it for to years. To be fair, it came up in the YouTube content ID uh, looking for the uh, Martin Lewis sketch. So that's the 8 o'clock Monday slot um, up until we get to uh, Frontline. Some fairly safe material, um, safe for maybe the bigamy in Goodnight Sweetheart. <laughs> the 9.30 Monday slot, however, um, there's a fair bit more edgy, unknown fare, I would say. At the end of 1994, we had season one of Sean's show starring Sean Hughes. Basically, series two follows on to kick off 1995. If you want to see any of it, it's all available on YouTube. After that, I don't know whether you would call this a cult series, but um, certainly it's a series that stars two of the young ones. Anyone know what that one is? Filthy Rich and Cat Flat. What, from, from the 90s? Oh, from Ooh, the 90s. Uh, that's, that's three of the young ones. Um, oh, Bottom. Yes, it is Bottom. <laughs> The theme's just about as ramshackle as the series, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. We get uh, season two of that, although, mind you, it's in a kind of a weird order. They start with episode five, uh, Holy, uh, which is their Christmas episode, then episode six, then back round to season three, which is another six episodes. Uh, then there's a couple of episodes of Murder Most Horrid to kind of fill in the gaps. Uh, that's the um, self-contained uh, black comedy anthology uh, starring Dawn French. Then, starting around May, we have 13 episodes of a show called McFeast. Ooh. Now, the only thing in the program guide that it said week after week after bloody week was Elle McFeast takes a light-hearted look at politics in her series. This 1995 series shouldn't be confused with the 1998 series McFeast Live, Best known for the infamous first episode, Mark Chopper Reed was the inebriated guest. <laughs> it was it was much talked about. Um, and what is uh, some really good viewing is uh, there's an episode of Australian Story about Libby Gore who plays Elle McFeast uh, talking about that uh, McFeast live uh, episode. Yeah, that is quite interesting. But the the '95 McFeast that was all pre-recorded stuff, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was subtitled From the Bowels of Par- Parliament House. Uh-huh. So very different stuff altogether. There are some clips of that in the Australian story, the, the 95 series, I think. 
because right. you see her you see her in that Australian story sort of interviewing different politicians of the era or, or attempting to anyway. Okay, so now that we're into 1995, there's a couple of new things on the TV landscape. The first one that we have is the emergence of community broadcasting. So it had kind of started a bit in late 1994, but uh, by the time uh, 1995 rolls around, we finally have Channel 31 listed in the Green Guide. It's a very short schedule. I don't know what they did during daylight hours, but basically I've got from 7 p.m. till late. You can probably guess what the programs are just from here. So at 7 o'clock, we've got TAFE TV, 8 o'clock Access News, 8.30 Twinging Hammies. <laughs> Obviously footy slash sport, I'd say. Uh, 9 o'clock Bento-Rama. Uh, 9.30, a program called In Between the Sprockets. So I'd say film film for that. Bento Rama sounds like it's about two hours worth of someone on camera just eating a bento box. <laughs> I suspect, sadly, that it it may just have been some kind of LGBT plus thing rather than, or maybe maybe it was LGBT plus people eating Japanese food. Who knows? <laughs> I, I'd watch it either way. I'm guessing Bento Rama might have been the new stuff because at ten o'clock we had classically bent. Oh. <laughs> And then, yeah, yeah. Well, this was LGBT people in togas, I assume. Like to be to, to be fair, uh, Bento Rama and Classically Bent. At least they're like two more programs than what uh, a commercial TV would have offered for their communities. So that that yeah. is very true. Yes. And then the night finishes at ten thirty with VSF Soccer. What a lineup! <laughs> yeah, if you had to learn something um, uh, about your community, yeah, you could tune into Access News rather than Frontline. Might have had the same production values. I don't know. Mm, interesting. <laughs> now the the other thing which emerged in nineteen ninety five was well, you'll you'll hear in clip number five. It's the dawn of a new TV revolution. Galaxy Multi Channel Pay TV is here. And television will never be the same again. Galaxy will open up a whole new world of entertainment for you and your family. And it's not just one channel. For the price of hiring two videos a week or less than $2 a day, you get not one channel but eight new 24-hour Galaxy channels all at the end of your remote control. Galaxy Multi-Channel Pay TV will change the way you watch television forever. Mm. Gee, hyperbole much? <laughs> wow. Did any of you um, or your families uh, uh, get into the early days of pay TV? Yeah, yeah, my parents certainly did, yeah. They had they had Galaxy in the mid-90s and they've had Foxtel for many years, still paying <laughs> hundreds of dollars a month for it, something ridiculous, so... Yeah, but we Channel V red, no, was red before, yeah. wasn't it? Channel Red for music videos. Channel I remember, Red, yeah. I remember watching yeah. that. I had a had yeah. it for some reason. I had a key ring that had Channel Red on it. I don't know how I came across that. We got Foxtel for like a month, and the reason we got it for a month is that they had this deal where they'd install the cable in your house for free, and then you'd get the TV for a month, and then you had to pay after that. 
And my dad's like, oh, we better get the cable in, but I don't want to pay for it. So we had it for a whole month. And he was like, oh, this is terrible. Everything's just repeats because there were all these channels that were like repeating just like loads of American sitcoms from the 70s or whatever. And to be fair, it was kind of accurate. There really wasn't a Mm. lot of original programming at that time and probably there still isn't. It was just a lot of repeats, as mm. as my dad said. Write in if your dad had exactly the same opinion as mine in 1995. <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> yeah. I bet he loved TV today. Well, yeah. So, so far fewer repeats these days. Oh, my God. My, my dad's approach to television <laughs> these days is basically to watch Vera quite a lot and they are all repeats. <laughs> And and all the other like British detective series just endlessly. By the end of nineteen ninety five, they would be joined by Optus Vision and Foxtel. Okay, let's let's push on to what was up against uh, season two, episode one of Frontline. So yeah, I'll start with ABC. The Green Guide lists uh, the uh, new episode of Frontline as one big happy family. Then uh, we have Four Corners at 8.30, Media Watch at 9.15 and the final episode of McFeast at 9.30. Over on SBS, we have a British documentary titled Defenders of the Wild. Uh, The listing says that uh, it's about a group of international nature activists who have conducted a long campaign to save honey buzzards, hawks, kestrels and other birds of prey from being slaughtered by poachers in Calabria and Sicily. Good stuff. I know, there's, sort of, there's not really much you can comment on about that, really. Unless anybody's pro-poaching. Uh, yeah, screw them. <laughs> the kestrel really. has had it too good for too long. Well, absolutely. Uh, over on Channel 7, we've got at 7.30, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Guilty as charged. I uh, I used to watch that on a religious basis. All right, so you might recognise this episode then, Season 2, Episode 19, titled Target Jimmy Olsen. So in this episode, Jimmy Olsen becomes a deadly threat to everyone around him when a mind-controlling virus is activated in his body. Lois and Clark risk their lives to save him. She, again, before it's time much? Mm. <laughs> I'm surprised there wasn't anything to do with nanobots. <laughs> All right, uh, then we've got Channel 10 and it's Healthy, Wealthy and Wise time. So according to the listing, Jim discovers a country town in New South Wales where the art treasures hang on the pub walls. Ooh, delightful. Whoa. Find out how to make a footstool out of a fruit box. (laughs) Well, turn it upside down. (laughs) <laughs> and, 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 by, and by the way, that's a, that's a box of putting fruit in. That's not uh, what would be called a juice box nowadays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Uh, again, uh, although, in my opinion, I think just about anything could be turned into a footstool if you think about it. Lynn explains lactose intolerance. At least it's not bloody osteoporosis again. <laughs> <laughs> we get to look at one of the newest small cars on the market. And find out how much you need for retirement. Uh, spoiler alert, a fucking lot. <laughs> but it was the 90s. You needed about five bucks. No, the interest rates are really high, don't you remember? <laughs> Let's not talk no, about that. Oh, down don't again get the mid-90s. they down again. <laughs> now, last of all, um, I'm leaving Channel 9 till last because I think if you weren't watching Frontline, I think this is what you would be watching. So at 7 o'clock we had 
yet another episode of Sale of the Century, but at 7.30 we had Sale of the Century, the 15th anniversary special. Wow. And the reason why I bring it up is because um, it had a couple of appearances to do with the D-Generation. Now, first of all, they replayed the classic sketch from The Late Show uh, where Jane is a contestant on a celebrity edition with uh, Mick and Jace and Tony Barber trying to help her through a hidden earpiece. The other thing uh, D-Gen related in the uh, Sale of the Century 15th Anniversary special is an appearance from Mike Moore. Hi, Mike Moore from Frontline. Well, Sale of the Century, 15 years old, what can you say? It's like a religion to us. We watch it every night. I just want to wish Tony Barber good luck and well done, Victoria. (laughs) (laughs) Nikki. Oh, Oh, sorry, sorry. Elise. Not Victoria, Elise. Got on you, Elise. What's Glenn? Glenn who? (laughs) I can watch it. It's on another network. Well, if they put me in the fame game, maybe I will. But, I mean, it's just... It's just... Uh, it won't be the last time that we hear about Sale of the Century uh, from Working Dog because uh, it does uh, serve as a bit of a plot point uh, further along in Season 2. The only other thing I just want to highlight from the uh, Sale of the Century special, and I don't know how much you want to play of this, but um, we could almost call this a game about uh, how long can you last listening to this. And we'll leave you with a bit of fun we cooked up. It's known as the Sale of the Century rap. Who am I? OK, off. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Glenn Rich, the end. <laughs> <laughs> and I think after that, uh, the episode can only go up from here. So let's get into it. All right. Thank you very much, Daniel, for your very extensive <laughs> <laughs> program guide. Yeah, definitely uh, brought back some memories. Absolutely. We'll move on from there. So, who wants to do the intro for the episode? Anyone? Bueller. I think you should yeah, do it since it's do it. the first episode. All right, I'll <laughs> do we're it. All, yeah, we're all too while. shy. Uh, we're all dusty. We're all rusty. No, uh, yeah. Sounds good. <clears throat> all right. Three, two, cue in. I've forgotten what I had to say. Uh, (laughs) 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 It's been so long. Hi, I'm Matt. This is the Champagne Comedy Podcast. We're reviewing Frontline Season 2, Episode 1, One Big Family, broadcast Monday, July 24, 1995. Don't clap. That was only note I've got from that is that I kind of wish you, you, you would have said it a bit like uh, Domenica constantly does on the phone. One big family! Yeah. One big family! I'll do that next time. <laughs> <laughs> so the synopsis of this episode is uh, the ratings are down and heads may roll at the frontline office, but nothing gets in the way of the network promo. And it's quality too. This is actually a really good episode to come back uh, with, especially with real life events that have happened, such as the sad loss of season one executive producer of Frontline, that is, but um, actor Bruno Lawrence, who, um, yeah. yeah, which uh, he sadly had passed away not long before they were actually going to record this season. So they had to go back to the drawing board and work out how to get the show going. 
So, of course, he was going to come back. The, a very plausible way that they uh, get into the change of executive producers, really, because, yeah, I would say that, yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very plausible to suddenly get uh, boned, I think the term might be, uh, from your network. Friend of the Champagne Comedy podcast, uh, that is Boris Connolly, who plays the Friday Night Funny Man Elliot Rhodes. This is what he had to say when we caught up with him to chat uh, in regards to Bruno Lawrence and working with him. I met the first day of shooting for that for my spot on in the first episode. Bruno was in the in the waiting room where we were just waiting before we went to make up. And I met him for the very first time. I never, didn't know who he was, had no idea um, that he was playing one of the major roles. He was such a humble guy and he just said, um, we talked about playing golf and, and music, I think. Had this little conversation and I thought, oh, I'll never see that guy again. And then, of course, the first episode came to air and he was, he was playing such a, a, a great role. I mean, and so well, so beautiful, so earthy, his, his, um, his acting. Anyway, um, I, we did sort of bump into each other a bit during the, that series and um, at the final rap party, he, I didn't even know he was ill or that there were any health issues going on. He always presented really fantastically. He always looked super well. Anyway, the last um, thing, we had a conversation and as I was leaving, he gave me a great big kiss on the lips. <laughs> it was great. Which is very memorable, and that's a very memorable thing about Bruno. It's a nice little memory. We are introduced to the very sombre frontline office, uh, unsure of what's going on. Uh, as you mm. mentioned, uh, Daniel, that you know the term "boned" possibly of uh, some yeah. staff, but Marty ends up breaking the silence, reading the paper about the financial issues the network has been facing, with the ailing ratings for Frontline, especially. And uh, that's just a word that uh, Mike could not wrap his head around. Ailing. He's flummoxed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, w- I will admit that that first uh, scene has two of my favourite lines of the episode. Uh, the one you alluded to, Matt, about uh, ailing. Well, that's just, that's, that's ailing. <laughs> and then second of all, talking about the big network promo they've, they've got planned and about when do we shoot it? When we know who's still in the family. Yeah. I thought like, the main reason why uh, he uh, that there was really somber was that Brian had been fired, but I thought it was because of the loss of this guy. <laughs> the photocopy had been fixed, Colin Conacher. It is a huge loss to, to the office and the whole network, I imagine, because I just imagine Conacher just going from office to office just fixing the photocopier in each place. Yeah, I mean, you know, he probably I know 1995 was probably the advent of the internet. I, I know I started uni uni then and we had internet and but um you know photocopiers were still quite a big thing, so I I would have expected uh an office like that that seemed quite a old school to still be working that photocopier, but no. <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Marty asks Shelley to uh, get the personal documents off Brian's computer, which uh, one point four four megabytes, I think, was the capacity of those floppy, floppy disks. disks. 
<laughs> and it, it really was a floppy disk as well. Brian uh, is in the management office off screen and Dom's one big family. Did you get the personal stuff of his computer? Frontline one big family. That is driving me insane. You should see the promo they've got planned. She, she, she's been told you have to say this. And it's sort of, it's interesting hearing it. It does crop up sporadically throughout the episode. So, and just sort of keep an, keep an eye out as to what that phrase, one big family, punctuates every single time in the episode because it's usually something which uh, belies that uh, catchphrase. Mm. Mm. It's used very well, that, yeah. Yeah. So Mr Cavill uh, drops by the office to give him the good news and the bad news, and that is Frontline is continuing and Brian has been fired. So which is the good news then? Uh, okay. Good news, oh, bad well, news. You all get to keep your jobs. Hooray! <laughs> Yay! Uh, but and obviously uh, he ends up taking Brian's computer that gets confiscated. <laughs> um, <laughs> if there's any important documents, if that's everything covered. Uh, but Emma has been placed as interim executive producer, while Mike is being pulled aside for a chat with uh, Mr. Cavill himself. We haven't been satisfied of late with the direction the program's been taking. But we've fixed that. And I want you to know you've got those networks uh, 100% support. Oh, thanks, Mr. Cavill. So carry on with the good work. Thank you. And Neil Mercer said no. Everyone on the list said no. So here's a little dovetail for you. 1995. Yeah, who, who is Neil Mercer? Well, Neil Mercer is a reporter, so journalist reporter. But Neil Mercer... Oh, so actually, you wouldn't have had Neil Mercer in South Australia. Neil Mercer was the uh, host of Today Tonight, which started, uh, launched in 1995. From the ashes of real life. Now, we've got a, we've got a cut line here if, if people are following along with the um, Frontline book... Frontline the story, behind the story, behind the stories. So the the end of scene one where Mr. Cavill invites Mike to come and talk upstairs and as Mike leaves the office with Mr. Cavill, Marty said, shall we get Mike's files off his computer? I mean, there could be some important games there. <laughs> and uh, that that's cut. And then we go into the scene where they talk about Neil Mercer, who I had also never heard of. So thanks for telling me who he was. So it went Neil Mercer on Today Tonight, and when he left, it was Helen Wellings. Ah, right. off of um, The Investigators. Yeah, I've, I've met her a few times in my day job. She was, I don't know if she still does the kind of consumer affairs stuff um, for Channel 7. Is it Channel 7? I think so, yeah. Yeah, very professional lady perfectionist and but but very very good at what she does can i also mention something here about um mike's hair because i think his hair looks different in in this episode um i I notice he's got a particularly interesting side part which seems to be slightly off center and and i'm sort of wondering whether maybe they're going to make a bit more of kind of parodying the ray martin haircut in this series well not just that it's parted on his left-hand side when it's usually parted on the right-hand side. Mm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? it? It looks really odd and quite funny. Like, 
I don't know. Apart from the fact that it's actually a wig. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it just makes it look even more ridiculous and funny. Maybe, yeah. Changed his hairspray as well. <laughs> he, he's got a he's got a new hairstylist. Maybe he's he can't afford Joe Bailey anymore or something. <laughs> That's the hair the hairdresser Joe Bailey, not the yep. um, sale of the century host Joe Bailey. <laughs> Back in the office, Kate tries to organise a team dinner to farewell Brian, yet no one can attend. Yeah, it's sort of, there was also a bit of non-committalism uh, in the first scene as well, which, again, it sort of might speak to, well, the fact that they can't get the actor who played Brian at all whatsoever because, um, yeah, there, there, there was talk about uh, an office mutiny uh, which is very quickly, you know, couched in, uh, well, you know, let's just wait and see first. So as the show uh, goes into planning mode with Emma, Mike chimes in to get his, uh, to give his useless two cents, then passes the baton back to Emma. This is where I really enjoy Emma's, Emma's work. Like, she is just on fire throughout the whole, like a really powerful character. Yeah, she's really yeah, she ready really, to she take really over, steps up. isn't she? Yeah. 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 So as Marty and Jack and Stu head to their story, uh, Marty says that Brian uh, will get the golden handshake and the network will treat him very well, just as Brian's nameplate from the car park comes off the wall. Yeah, golden kick up the ass, as uh, Stu puts it. Shelley discovers there's something surprising on the floppy disk that she obtained from Brian's computer as Mike tries to make a joke on Emma, who is in charge, and places a who's the boss coffee mug on the on the desk but Dom doesn't get it and no one really notices it at all because they're too busy doing work yeah yeah meanwhile Jan is with Emma discussing the new one big family promo I thought the concept was all our celebrities getting together we prefer to call them on air personalities dear I thought the idea was they were all sort of doing high fives together. Don't they have to be in the same studio? We're shooting it in a way that no one need be within a five kilometre radius of each other. Why? And this is television, darling. Everybody hates everybody else. That's why we spend so much time promoting how well we all get on. One big family, darling. (laughs) (laughs) How about those big A4 diaries, eh? (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, it, it's either that or, you know, the one where it's like the diary and it's like in a kind of leather cover and there's like a, a slot to put your pen in and then there's bits to put your your business cards in and a calculator, what, what, whatever those diaries were called. Remember them? Yeah, they, they were, were like, kind of like Filofax, but I remember going to a course. Yeah, Filofax. Yeah, there yeah. was a one called um, Priority Manager and I had to do a course in the late 90s uh, when, in my first job. <laughs> And it cost about $500, I remember, at the time. Wow. And it was a whole-day course where you just learn how to use a diary. And <laughs> just wow. it's just like, put put the events down the bottom here and then you'll see them. And this yeah, that's all I remember. <laughs> it's kind of like... And this is a post-it note. This is a post-it note and this is a place for your pen. Yeah. And and you got a, a free diary wow. out of that. But, yeah, it was file effects. But I know they use... A- <laughs> free diary with a $500 <laughs> yeah, exactly. course. The, oh the uh, giant diary, they use that in the cheap seats when they have to figure out where Tim's schedule and where he has to go. <laughs> oh, they, yeah. they have one of those in, in the cheap seats now. So there are still a few being sold, evidently. Well, I mean, th- thankfully I, I haven't thrown out my diary. I pretty much only use it for scheduling when we have to record this podcast. <laughs> I mean, you've got a lot of notes to take. 
Well, yeah, like I, I wait for the confirmation letter with the the link to to go to the place to record it, and hey, I got a moleskin in my wardrobe, like uh, which I've been meaning to write journals in, and uh, last one I wrote was uh, in February twenty twenty three. Oh wow! So I only had filled out about five pages worth. Well, you could do another five pages because it's February twenty twenty four. Thank you. And then every every year in February. It's the February you write a diary. few pages. Mm. Yeah. February diary. I was in... Yeah. yeah. Oh, February journal, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> now, Brooke doesn't want to do the high five on the One Big Family promo with the weatherman. Oh, hang on. Hang on. In the in the book, we've got, an int- we've got a cut scene. We've got a whole scene that's cut. Please. The floor is yours. Well, who's got the book? Well, we can do a reading because there's okay. multiple characters. No, I'll, I'll uh, just watch. I don't have the book. <laughs> okay, so we need a we need a we need a Marty, and a, well, you could do the stage directions. What what, what Kim, scene is like. this? This is scene seven. Scene seven. Page okay. one hundred and fifty-six. Page one hundred and fifty-six. Scene seven. Okay, so there's Marty and Stu. Oh, it's just Marty and Stu. Yeah, and we need someone to do stage directions as well. I can do stage directions if you want. Who's going to be Marty? Who? Who, 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 who am I? You're Marty, and sure. Matt. Matt can be Stu. Okay. You ready? All right. Okay. <laughs> Scene seven: An office block. Marty, Stu, and Jace wait outside an office block. Marty smokes. So who's going to take over? Who'd want the job? All that pressure. All that money. Car. House payments, travel. And if the show doesn't rate? <coughs> Stu makes a throat-cutting gesture. Marty takes a drag on his cigarette. Hey, I could sue you for passive smoking, you know. <laughs> Not if. A lawyer emerges from the building. Action! As Stu and Jace grab their camera gear, the lawyer spots them and bolts off up the street. Let's go. The three boys give chase, but Marty quickly falls behind and becomes breathless. He tries shouting his questions. Mr. Scaletti, we just want to ask you a few questions about your client's uh, trust fund. Mr. Scal... Marty gets completely out of breath as Stu and Jace move on ahead of him. They stop and look back as Marty wheezes hopelessly. The lawyer escapes. And scene. That's the cut scene. It's not super exciting. Yeah. However... Thank you. It, it does set up later for, for this story that they're shooting about this dodgy lawyer and that you get a bit more about their speculation around who's replacing Brian. Thank you for pointing mm. that out. I totally did not refer to the book when I was writing my notes on this, so if I... That's all right. Yeah. No, most people won't have the book. I know a lot of people have the book, but uh, I didn't know about this uh, extra scene. I can see why it was cut. It, they definitely <laughs> yep. just mention it. They just mention it in the editing room, so it's it's pretty much. Uh, anyway, there's it. more cut stuff to come, so I will I will pitch in when there's um, cut things. Well, Mike is having a coffee catch up with Jeffrey, uh, his friend Jeffrey Salter, the weatherman. Just to reiterate, he is the weatherman, and he has a name, Jeffrey Salter. He's explaining that he is and isn't in charge of the office. Are you in charge? Oh, no, not really. Well, I can tell you. Uh, you want me to keep this a secret? Not really, yeah. no, no. No, no, because no, I won't no, tell no, a No, 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 tell whoever you want. Tell whoever you want. Oh, Cavill okay. asked me upstairs. Cavill? Yeah. Wow. 
And he just uh, asked me to help out. Careful. Well, I'm doing the best I can. Emma's in there, but she's out of her depth. Oh, yeah. And I well, just feel sure. like the whole office is resting on my shoulders. Oh, you must be flat out. Oh, absolutely. You want another coffee? Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> and in the studio uh, to film the promo, Jan is trying to convince Brooke that she is but isn't touching hands with the weatherman because Brooke just... Flat out refuses. It'll just appear that way. Yeah. Yeah, and poor Jeff, like in the scene before, he was innocently thinking he was still going to be physically high-fiving her, so. Oh, oh that's sad. So, yeah, the, in this scene there is another, there's a couple of cut lines at the end of it. Um, Brooke's complaining about shaking hands with the weatherman and Jan says, Brooke, it's him or Wacko the Chook. And Brooke says, <laughs> I'll take the weatherman. And then they roll. And then you see Brooke swaying to the music. And then this is the cut line. And Jan says, and cut, darling, you'll have to smile. And Brooke says, I was. <laughs> so so clearly Brooke having trouble kind of feeling the character there in the one big family promo. Yeah. Did anyone mm. think this kind of reminded them of Elaine's dance in Seinfeld? It predates the actual Elaine dance, which I think was in 1996. <laughs> Bit of an awkward kind of washing machine style. Style. Now, Emma helps Kate out with the exorcism story uh, using her exec producer skills. So Shelley reads the contents as well on Brian's disc and discovers that she's been paid less than Kate. Awkward. And so the unravelling slowly begins. Uh, meanwhile, Emma is called upstairs to Mr. Cavill's office where she learns Sunday Forum executive producer Ed Forbes, starring... Uh, Andrew Clark, Skippy's Andrew Clark, the the <laughs> remake, the nineties remake of Skippy Andrew Clark, <laughs> uh, has been chosen to fill Brian's spot temporarily. Ed here has kindly agreed to step in and keep an eye on Frontline until we get a permanent replacement. As EP, executive producer. Well, that's what it usually stands for, isn't it, Ed? <laughs> oh, I've heard that it can also mean. Uh... Enormous penis. Oh, God. The look on, like, Emma's face there when when this is all going on. Yeah. And there's a, there's a brilliant bit afterwards. I don't know if you've got the clip of this where he says to Emma, don't worry, I won't work you too hard, and then gives it this really patronising knee squeeze and just like, <laughs> oh, oh, God. It's, just, it's cringe at its it's, best. It's yeah. so pre Harvey Weinstein. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and yeah, and for unfortunately, was probably true at the time. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was definitely yeah. like that. Mike insists to Emma that Ed stepping in is really good for the show. Right, this will cheer you up. Ed told me this. Uh, what does EP stand for? I don't know. Well, what does it normally stand for? Executive producer EP. Uh-uh. Extra long penis. Oh no, that's. That's ELP. No, EP. Extra penis. Enormous penis. <laughs> you can't even get that right. <laughs> when he finally yells out enormous penis, he, he basically emerges from the office door and shouts out to the entire <laughs> office in the, the phrase enormous penis. And what, what I found quite interesting about that joke was that I guess post the office and shows like that where you get a lot of 
people saying something awkward and then the, an entire room reacting to that with just horror and then you kind of get this pause in the show while they all react, right? That joke doesn't happen here because it's the 90s and no one's doing that kind of people reacting kind of comedy. Yeah. So it, it's just it, that's it's kind of an interesting sort of joke of mm. the era done in the style of the era sort of moment. Like a prelude because, yeah. uh, you know, it's that joke Evol- and then, yeah, as you're saying with office-style awkward reactions, it's that joke yeah. evolved, created, developed yeah. further. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because you, you could imagine like a kind of Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where Larry David just bursts out of an office and says enormous penis and and there's a <laughs> there's a context to him saying that but the people in the office observing him just yelling enormous penis have no idea what context is and suddenly he's up for sexual harassment, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so um, it's it's just interesting how comedy evolves, really, how jokes change and develop. The other thing I like about that scene is Emma bitterly saying, according to the script, uh, you know, talking about uh, Sunday Forum, and that it's a two-hour unwatched wank with a bit of classical music tapped on the end to make it look highbrow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you need the enormous penis for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That and what I really like about the Ed character is he looks like Maxie Walker. Oh, he does, doesn't he? He does. He's got the Maxie Walker kind of big moustache, kind of hairstyle, highbrow Max Walker. Fast forward to a prep meeting and Ed lifts his contributions directly from the newspaper while the team have already been developing their own stories, like the exorcism story and the kid in Cambodia. Just like, yep, I'm the exec producer. Yeah, he's he's got a copy of The Age and they've presumably got the Herald Sun and and he's reading (laughs) out stuff from, like, the middle of The Age, like, you know, there's a Russian conductor coming to lunch to melbourne um let's do a profile piece on him or let's do a piece on electricity privatization which i'm sure would have been very good for sunday forum but not really for frontline and they're like we've got an exorcist we've got a missing kid in cambodia and it's just him not understanding that this is tabloid current affairs rather than you know sunday morning highbrow current affairs the topics that ed brings up are very abc don't you think yes Mm -hmm. that as well abc that would work for 730 yes yes yeah not frontline down in the editing suite the footage from marty's story the one that was cut the dodgy lawyer story the dodgy lawyer story yeah um uh, is barely usable due to no audio from marty who is uh, running far behind from Stu. Now, Ed suggests to turf it. Emma rescues the story to get Marty to record his audio in the office. See, this is the start of Ed just giving up. And 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 Emma shows a lot of ingenuity. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's like, all right, fair enough. Let it be. Although, mind you, I may not know much about professional sound recording, but... Wouldn't it be better just from a sound point of view to record the extra audio out in the car park rather than inside in an office? Yeah, you think about the admin, you'd have to take all the phones off the hook so that they don't suddenly ring. You'd have to stop photocopiers or printers going off. But also just the sound echoing off the walls of the office. would It'd make for a different sound than being out in the open in a car park. Yeah. It's just, just, I know it's a weird thing to have a gripe about, but... I, I suppose if you 
yeah, it is. It well, is massively I mean, pedantry. Not, there's, not, there's not a right answer to this one, I suppose. But but, but, but like, Daniel, it's, it's then, just, then I'm, you... not, I'm thinking from a sound point of view. You would do it out in the open, outdoors. Yeah. But then you miss you miss the opportunity to see them running around the office, dodging like office chairs and stuff. So it's, it's yeah for the comedy value. Yeah, it's just for our artistic license. Yeah. It could have gone out to the car park and ran around Brian's nameplate in a circle. <laughs> Just as a homage. See, they could they could have moved the nameplate scene to later in the day so that while they're running around going, Mr. Scarletti, Mr. Scarletti, there could be the bloke in the background just chipping off the nameplate. <laughs> Now, also, just a quick side note, though, what do you think about the ethics of this? Like, if you were to have found out that, you know, the audio was replaced in the final story, would you would you be offended by that? There have been scandals about that. I can't remember specifically what the stories are, but where I think the BBC did this once. They, they had to sort of fake something. Um I, I think in this particular example, they're basically just re-recording what he was saying when he was actually on the street chasing the lawyer. You know, he's just saying, Mr. Scarletti, why won't you talk to us? Which is basically what he said in, in that cut scene that we read out. So mm. I'm not that bothered about that because it's just kind of improving the sound yeah. quality. Yeah, I think that's, but if, that's probably but if he, excusable. Hey, Daniel. I don't feel like it's a big breach of ethics to, to, to no. do it either. It seems like, it's like the media version of uh, Little Bly. Yeah, it's not like some of the, yeah. the other examples yeah. we saw in season one where they're just completely twisting what, what people say and asking completely different questions and putting words in people's mouths. It's just, it's, it's just a slight tweak rather than a massive twist. Mm. Yeah. In, in frontline terms, this is like nothing. This is just what they mm. do every day yeah. and it's fine. Just to let you know, in regards to uh, tweaking, you do realise that Bruce Gingell's good evening and welcome to television. Yes, yeah. I know. Yeah. There we go. See? That, that's. I know. That's a, that's a recreation. I know. Although, mind you, we know that we know. Yeah. I don't know how we would uh, cope if we, if we were only finding that out now, for instance. You know, 60-plus years after the event. I only found out relatively recently, and I think the reason for that is whenever that clip is shown, it's not shown with anyone saying, oh, by the way, this is a recreation. It's shown as if yeah. this is the actual footage. Yeah. So yeah. people might have yeah. known about this for decades, but I only found out relatively recently what it really is. Oh, and, uh, Daniel, if you watch the latest Gladiators, then, you know, where's the audience? Do I have to? The audience, the crowd. <laughs> There was no Apparently crowd. That was another thing uh, that uh, that everybody noticed when when the very few people were watching the Australian reboot of Gladiators. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's if you've not seen it, Alison. When they were filming or with the episode of Gladiators or all of the whole series, there was no audience at all. But then, when the game started, you'll hear all the cheers. Mm. Time for another Mason Hellcat conspiracy theory about yeah, something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's right onto it. In the kitchen, though, uh, Ed flirts a little bit with Brooke. How's the promo coming along? Good. You really do look great on camera. Thank you. You should be hosting this show, you know. Thanks, but I think Mike's pretty entrenched here. Oh, I don't know. If you ever feel like jumping ship and coming across to Sunday Forum... 
you give me a call. Sure. In the meantime, I've got a few ideas I wouldn't mind running past you. Okay. How does tonight sound? Good. Good. Great. Great. Oh, he's such a sleazy oh, bastard, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, you know, she she's kind of she kind of goes for it, and I don't know. We we could debate that if you want, but he is so sleazy. Yeah, she would just go with him just for her own advancing of her own career. I think. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very much so. Yeah. There's there, there is talking about program ideas, and then there's talking about program ideas over <laughs> dinner at a fancy restaurant. Mm-hmm. Now we cut to the show broadcast and Marty's story uh, with the doctored audio uh, goes to, sorry, not doctored, the re-recorded audio uh, Mm. (laughs) goes to air and it's seamless. So um, they receive praise in the control room uh, on the phone from Mr. Cavill for a good show overall. It's a well done to everyone. Meanwhile, Emma is at home relaxing and then hears on the radio that a kid from Cambodia has been killed. So Emma organises Marty, Stu and Jace to go to the mother's home first thing in the morning. See, this is Emma just not switching off, just constantly working. Doing her job. Yeah, doing her job Mm. as an executive producer. But when they get there, that is Marty, Stu and Jace, uh, there's already a media circus at the house with little room for them to set up or try and film or record anything. They're just vultures, all of them. As in the media circus. Not Marty, Stu and Jace. Now it's promo time and Mike is ready for his filming. Ed arrives at the office after a late night out, (laughs) quite late night out, uh, with Brooke looking very ashamed at her desk, discreetly ashamed. (laughs) I don't know that she is ashamed. I think think she probably feels a bit sordid, but I think probably strategically she feels she's done the correct thing. Mm. Yeah. For her, mm-hmm. her career. And Shelley ends up having a go at Kate and the exorcism lady has been poached by Channel 9 as she wants to meet Ray. But Emma hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so Emma hasn't. Who doesn't? Yeah. But Emma has another idea to somewhat steal her away. Hello, Mrs. Rosen. It's Sandra here from A Current Affair. Sandy, that's right. Yes, we did speak just before. Um, <laughs> listen, a slight change of plans. Would it be all right if we came and picked you up and did the interview? Actually, it was Ray's suggestion. <laughs> a white lie doesn't Again, hurt. Again, this is, this, is, this is Emma being the EP without an EP. And Mike is chatting to Shelley to find out why she's being a bit narky, Mike's words, uh, towards Kate, which she explains to... Mike, uh, it's about the pay difference. And that's when Mike finds out that he's being paid less than Brooke. Ouch. Can we just dial back slightly? There's a scene that I wanted to talk about. And this is is Mike and Emma talking about the promo before they start phoning the exorcist, right? And Mike's talking about how, you know, he wants to sing in the promo, because there's this bit that goes from the front line desk each evening and he he wants to sing it. And Emma goes, you're not singing it, right? And and then, you know, Mike has a go at Emma just because the show's not falling apart like you expected it would. And, <laughs> you know, and he says, well, I think Ed's doing a pretty good job. And then Emma goes, he's not the only one, as you know, referring to her own efforts. 
And then they really start shouting at each other. And Mike goes, settle down. No wonder they pick blokes to run things. And I'm just like, oh, God. You know, this this whole show, there's so much stuff about, like, basically the misogyny mm. in, in the industry in this throughout this episode. It's really, really quite interesting on, on that topic, I think. No, no there's comments. no more comment Excellent. because it's there's <laughs> not much else to say. That's it illustrates it beautifully and yeah, that's Yep. That's it. Yep. Now that on the head. I might just add that it's kind of refreshing that Brooke is getting paid more than Mike. It that is that is the one thing, yeah, isn't that's it? A good that's twist. quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, certainly not the done thing then you would think. No. no. No, you you would assume the host would get more, and and I kind of, it's it's a kind of a slight shame they don't dig into why that is. Because she's better than him. <laughs> I don't know. Well, <laughs> true. Maybe she's got a better agent. I don't know because like he he was just some guy from the Perth Seven Thirty report, wasn't he? Mm. And yeah, yeah. Maybe they just thought they could pay him more because that would be more than the Perth Seven Thirty report paid. Yeah, I don't know. Send in your theories, people. Emma and Kate meet the exorcism lady, Mrs. Rosa, in the meeting room. And here's a dovetail for you. Did you notice anything that was on the wall? There was some sort of an on-air personality, as Jan would call it, but I couldn't work out who. Well, there was a few other uh, frame shots on the wall of other TV shows, but straight up, ABC, there was an image of the big gig, the stage. No. Yeah. And what looked like uh, the shape or the distance of um, just the look, I should say, with the hairstyle, because I watched this on high-definition TV, it was, I believe, Wendy Harmer. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that would would tell you at least where that corridor was. So there you go, just a little Easter egg. Part of the uh, ABC Ripley complex, not there anymore, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, Mikey is filming the promo with lacklustre effort. Like, really lacklustre effort. This is not the Mike Moore. I, I know. know. What's the matter? No, don't get me started. It's Listen to me, Mike. Yeah. You are the star of this promo. Know, the first face we see. The face of the network. The 10 second version, darling. You are in it. I know, that's great. And it's a great line. I know, I know, much but... better than Brooke's lines. Lines? Zzz. Plural. Brooke's got more than one line. No, just one line, but it's longer, uh, shorter. No, uh, let's go, everyone. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Marty and Stu go through the footage uh, of being at the house of the kid in Cambodia, of the, the mother, uh, but it's all reporters, and uh, Brooke puts in her two cents worth. What about other members of the family? Oh, the sister's out of town. There's no other kids. For Christ's sake, Stu climbed over the back fence with her with a camera. Have you tried phoning? Oh, no. Brooke, the, you know, that, that never occurred to us. Now, we've been on the phone since 6 a.m. She's not talking. Well, maybe if you keep trying, it's oh, a moment. Oh, please, phone. Brooke, listen. We were there at dawn. I didn't see you volunteering. I've been flat out, Marty. Oh, yes, I've heard. What is that supposed to mean? Oh, nothing, you know. Just um, doing your job, working under Ed. Mm. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> Mike interviews Mrs. Rosen. That was fine, Mrs. Rosen. Well done. It's fine. It's okay. Oh, what a pity, Ray. Thanks for coming in, Mrs. Rosen. We'll get you a cab. Actually, Kate, why don't you show around the station? Maybe introduce her to a few of the stars. I'd like to meet people from Sale of the Century. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The white lie just keeps going further and further. 
Although the thing is, when we finally see this promo, the the sort of equivalent of Sale of the Century at this network, they do kind of look like Glenn Ridge and Nikki Buckley. So I suppose Mrs. Rosen probably won't notice. Yeah. (laughs) Ed arrives late to stick his nose in as well too. So uh, Channel 9's promo shows that they got hold of the mother of the kid in Cambodia who passed away, and Ed says that Channel 9 won and the cop it on the chin. There we go. That's where he's just like, yeah, give up. Yeah, I don't think he ever had any effort whatsoever. Didn't, at the moment he sat down with the newspaper, pretended to kind of care and just let them kind of make the decisions. No, he, hmm. he just wanted to find a gym and uh, a yogurt and a cafe latte. And you can fill in the blanks. Yes. <laughs> and... Uh, but Emma ends up putting a spin on it and make a story about the shark feeding media. I've got an idea. Yeah? That's a story. What? That, the media, the, the frenzy, the feeding frenzy. Sharks, yeah. preying on a poor, hapless, grieving mother. Uh-huh. Thank God we weren't a part of it. Thank God we were there to capture it. But... And then the story unravels with that too. I just want to ask something about the Nicholas Martin piece that we see. That photo of Nicholas... I haven't really had a good look anywhere, but do you reckon that's a young, um, uh, a, a young Rob Sitch? It mm. didn't strike me as looking like Rob Sitch, but I assumed it was like a holiday snap of one of their friends or a brother or, or something. The the only reason I ask is because it reminds me of there's something in one of the DGen best of specials that got released on video and DVD. It was a takeoff of Mad Max. Oh yeah, the that they did warrior. on. I think they did it on Super Eight. Yeah, and I'm just wondering whether that might have been whether the photo of Nicholas Martin used might have been from that. I'm gonna have to go back to it's, the like, I, I, I unfortunately ran out of time to try and scan through everything and try and see whether there's a match or anything. But did did you notice the the clothing does look kind of nineties though? So. Rather than eight, it is a leather jacket, so yeah. yeah I don't know. I mean, it, maybe it's Rob Sitch's brother on holiday in Cambodia or something. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, it didn't really strike right, me. Sorry, as well. sorry for the. Look like what's his name? That British actor. <laughs> don't worry. Um, you no. might need to give us a few more clues. <laughs> the guy with the eyes, Hugh nose, Grant. mouth. No, um, don't worry. Tim Spool. I'm just going to start naming the really, the one with a really long name. <laughs> Mr. Bloody. Oh, uh, that's it, yeah. See, Cumberbatch would have been name. about five in 1995. Yeah, he would have been about five, but it, I reckon it looks like him. <laughs> a long name. Wow. I mean. <laughs> it's been a long evening. It's been a long day. <laughs> All right. Uh, sorry for that dead end then. Uh, <laughs> it's just probably someone's holiday snap, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I'm reading too much into it. This is what this podcast does to you. Now, we're in the control room after a really successful show and uh, the, they get a phone call from Mr. Cavill uh, giving praise for the show yet again. And uh, that, But then again, Ed takes that phone call. Thanks, Emma, for making him look good. And then he reveals that uh, because of the good news, he knows that the executive producer has been decided upon and Emma should look forward to his arrival. (laughs) 
Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because em- Emma, well, has been really wanting it to be her. And yeah. I guess it was inevitable that it wouldn't be. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly from, from a story point of view, we know that she's never going to be EP because she, she has too much of a conscience. Yes. Although, she, did, she, although she, she seems to have dropped it over the past week on the show. Yeah, yeah because that's the executive producer role. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, we know, we know she's got a heart of gold and it would totally ruin Frontline if she were to become another Brian. Back in the office, Emma ignores the flowers that Ed has gifted her. Are we going to see this primer or not? Hello? Yeah. Emma. Jan. Here she is. Em. Em, 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 em. They're from Ed. To you. It really is an enormous penis. Don't bet on it. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. We finally see the big primo. From the front the idea of one big family which sounds very similar to a particular well-known song yes uh, uh, but musically just, uh, just enough so that sister sledge yeah. won't sue yes yes and that musically french cooking show different. called ooh la la oh ooh la la <laughs> yep yeah. it's, 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 a- it's amazing all of these shows that are sort of brought into the universe as it were yeah, yeah. The it's amazing how much the um the newsreader from this network looks like Brian Naylor, for example, the mm. Melbourne newsreader. And, it's, and it's, how, it says that it's literally in the script. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got like the, all their other shows. They've got Ball to Ball, <laughs> which is a kind of footy show um, with a sort of Maxi Walker type, not not yeah. Ed, a, a different person, a different guy <laughs> with a moustache. The the comedy bunch is the one that I'm particularly interested in. Um, <laughs> that that really is suggesting that this is quite a lowbrow sketch show, like even lower brow than Full Frontal <laughs> um, ever was. Did you see the brown so, face? Yes, wasn't oh, that yeah. wasn't that a moment yes. of of the era? Mm. <laughs> yep, just like the the uh, moment which we didn't mention it earlier when they're in the editing suite <laughs> and Ed. And the cigarettes. Yeah, it drops that gag. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Very dated. But uh, so they do watch that promo. And here's one thing. I don't know if anyone else uh, took notice of it, but I timed exactly how many seconds each of the talent appeared in the promo <laughs> of one big family. So who, who got the most? Yes. Who got the well, most? Yeah, hold on, hold on. It is 100%. Is it Salter? Oh, my money's on Jeffrey Salter. Getting the most <laughs> okay. time. Are you ready? Yep. So you got Mike, Brooke, and Jeffrey. Who want? What, what do you want to go first? Are we guessing seconds or who who got the most footage? This this is all in seconds. Okay, so we'll go with Mike. What do you think, Alison? So right. like when you put all their scenes, like say with Mike's yep. appearances in it, you put them together. Yep. So ten. Ten, Kim. Six point one. Six point one. Okay, point one. Yeah, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I reckon six and a half. Okay, the closest was Allison, and Mikey's in it for nine seconds. Wow. <gasps> oh wow. wow. Okay. Right. Now it's Brooke. Allison. Twelve. Kim. Uh, I think 
Eight. Daniel? I reckon 14 because he's got two lines. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is 15 seconds. Wow. Daniel's the closest. <gasps> wow. 15 seconds. That's a lot now, of seconds. So, yeah. so basically double what Mike gets. Yeah, nearly. Wow. And now Jeffrey, so maybe maybe the the amount of time you appear in the promo is dependent on uh, your salary. Well, this is the implication, isn't it? <laughs> well, she gets wait, paid wait till you hear, double wait, him. Wait till you hear Jeffrey's. So Alison, well, okay, <laughs> five five seconds, five seconds for Jeffrey. Kim, uh, two. <laughs> what? So you reckon it's just two seconds of him oh, doing his There is a bit wobble? at the end, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> three then. He's three like seconds. half a double take time. Well, there was thing, like, you know, there was, no, no, there was a bit at the end where he kind of does that Santo thing. But three <laughs> and a half, three, four seconds, I reckon. And Daniel? Uh, I reckon four and a half. Well, it is seven seconds. Ooh. <gasps> Almost oh, as no much as Mike. Yes. Wow. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, Mike, nine seconds. Brooke, 15 seconds. Jeffrey, seven seconds. Ah. Ah, that's what this podcast is all about. Now, as we wrap up the whole promo part, an argument breaks out after Mike points out the Brook got more spring screen time, and he is correct. Yes. <laughs> oh, doesn't now, the language now, now, fly? Now also, yeah, well, there's, there's one uh, F-bomb muted out there. Brooke drops the F bomb. What? what? It is two lines. Brooke has two lines. Oh. You had two lines, and Jan told yeah, me well, that wasn't. I had to shake hands with the fucking weatherman. Excuse me, his name is Jeffrey Salty. You shit. Oh, that is no. Also, just just before we do truly wrap things up, do you want to hear a bit about the the promos that uh, that the real real life channels had in 1995? Oh, yeah. go on. Yes, go please. On. To be fair, I wasn't able to find them on YouTube. I'm relying on the Sydney Morning Herald guide from the 30th of January. 95. Gather all of your big personalities. Usually they would be in the same room. It wouldn't be like one big family. And sort of like essentially you would sort of dazzle the potential viewer with your star power. But, yeah, these days we don't, well, I think it's just a symptom of we don't really have network stars anymore. We don't have anybody that's contracted to a channel. So, I mean, we do still get, and you would have seen it a lot during the tennis, you would have seen a big promo outlining all of the big shows that are coming out for the next 13 weeks or so. But even that, I mean, that's a montage at best. You wouldn't put it in the same league as the early 90s stuff. I'm happy to be corrected on it, but the last one that I can think of, like I'm sure there's been more since, but like the personality ones, Channel 10, uh, and that was when they had Talking About Your Generation on there, MasterChef, like MasterChef was in its like second or third uh, season. Uh, Good News Week was on there because they had that one where they're all in that uh, the therapy session with Sean McAuliffe, uh, Carrie Bickmore, Margot Robbie, Paul McDermott, Mikey Robbins. and That's the, a weird one. Yeah. It's actually one of the most clever. It's, it's, it's essentially a sketch, isn't it? Yeah, it's a sketch and then and Bondi Rescue and uh, So You Think Condense. There we go. That kind of ages it. Mm-hmm. But uh, – it's actually a really good bit, and I think that was pretty much the last time there was something of like arcing back to the period of the high-profile promos mm-hmm. that this was the yeah 
that, that's it. This is it. Uh, after that, it, they it, just didn't it really, it really seemed to die out sometime in the 2000s, I, I reckon. Other than the we're all in this together type COVID stuff. Well, I mean, with that one, there was definite isolation there. Christmas ones don't mm. count, okay? Christmas ones don't count. <laughs> Oh, that does remind me of a, a Christmas promo, which no. I, uh, I am kind of kind of re- reminded with with one big family, where it was people, it was network personalities putting things in a into a, a present box and sort of passing it from one side of the screen to another. Oh yes, and obviously that one would have had to have been shot in bits. That was a Channel Nine Very one. Very similar concept, I think. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I do remember it being passed across the Hey Hey Saturday desk. So um, I do I do have um, an example of the promo format uh, if you just want to uh, to play uh, the appropriate clip. God, is that ABC in the nineties or is that Channel Ten now? Well, channel, channel number four is actually quite good if you've got eight galaxy channels in competition. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've got a little uh, table that uh, the SMH Guide uh, published in January '95, uh, talking about each network's slogan. So uh, the ABC had "It's Your ABC." Still does, um, doesn't it? <laughs> Pretty much. It's your Pretty ABC. Much, yeah. uh, target market, everyone except those who can't stand dance music, but the gay and lesbian Mardi Gras telecast probably got rid of them last year. <laughs> Celebrity exploitation factor, medium but not all grin straight down the barrel of the lens in a warm and winning way, although any promo that finishes with the freeze on Gary Sweet is uh, thinking star appeal. <laughs> Something strange. The producers did not have enough material available from 95 shows, so decided they had to fill in the gaps with a visual interest. Then we've got Channel 7. They had Discover It All on 7. Target market, anyone who has eyes, according to the network program director. (laughs) Celebrity exploitation factor, morally high, with a handful of seven stars doing the five and two signs. Dieter Brummer gets the big wind-up shot. Uh, something strange, watch out for Seven's new station IDs, a collection of bizarre and apparently meaningless things being done to the Seven logo, such as a flying 3D jelly. <laughs> right. Uh, Channel 9, I'm sure you can guess what it is, still the one, and they've been telling us since 1979, inspired by CBS, uh, produced in-house. Target market from 6 to 6 and to anyone who can stand the idea that Larry Emdue is just like them. Celebrity celebrity exploitation factor, burnout level. These personalities don't just work for the station, they are the station. Something strange. It made a good send-up on Full Frontal with Yarn Event drawling, I am embarrassed. (laughs) Yet Nine says its stars were more than happy to reveal their juggling skills, dogs and cooking abilities. Uh, Channel 10 had Give Me 10, a wholly Australian concept despite the American catchphrase and programs. Target market, young, young, and not to mention the young. Celebrity exploitation factor, zilch. 10 is going with sly visual gags instead. NYPD blue on a sea of blue pigs. Something strange, the logo now appears in real life situations instead of animation to reflect just how real the station is, man. I like the one that they used later on, which was the Turn Me On 10. That was my favourite. 
Turn me yeah. on. <laughs> nice little jingle and everything. <laughs> Thank you, Alison. Imprinted into my brain anytime. <laughs> yeah. And last of all, SBS, the world is an amazing place. Uh, it was created by BAMSSB Advertising. Target market, people who are already sophisticated, artistic and interesting enough to watch SBS anyway. <laughs> celebrity exploitation factor, zero. Some might say, what celebrities? Something strange. In cinemas, amuse yourself by listening to everyone around trying to figure out just what the hell this ad is for. Cars? Hi-fi? Travel? Drugs? Right. So Leeling Chin is not good enough or... Yeah, where's uh, Anton Enos? Is he, is he involved? Or uh, Mary... Or Les Murray. Les Murray would get a go. Yeah, Les Murray. Kicking a ball. Vale. So, yeah, I would say amongst that lot, One Big Family uh, is definitely of the period. Mm. Um, Although there's another promo which aired last year which made me think about One Big Family a bit more, and that was from 2023 advertising The Project. I've worked in newsrooms for 20 years, but what surprises me the most is what comes out of their mouths. (laughs) Sometimes I like to let the music do the talking. I don't mind having a friendly chat with my audience. Let's talk more jokes. Out here, there's not so much need for talking. I like just floating around with my thoughts. Nothing beats that moment when we all cheer together. Gotta love escaping real life. To hold counsel with some elves. Then there's work, where we love getting together to discuss the big stories. Hear different points of view. And figure out what the politicians are saying and what they're not saying. Or Troy. This is where we go behind the headlines. Hang out with the big names. And turn seriously to another camera. And back again. Join the conversation here at The Project. Holy crap. The Project, one big family. (laughs) You know what, if there was a little less conversation about news and celebrities and a bit more talk about seatbelts, I think that was the Qantas safety video. Mm. Yes. Because the the Qantas safety video has that kind of chummy kind of theme to it, cutting to different people and, Mm. yeah, I've seen that video a lot recently. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, because you've been travelling during the break. I have. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm slightly disappointed about with that one big family promo is is you see how they shoot it and you've got the sort of floor manager is the one who stands in for the hand of the other celebrities, right? Yeah. But you never see anything in the promo where the sleeve is the wrong colour or, you know, the the skin colour is completely different of the hand or or whatever. You know, they they could have done a bit of comedy where there's a black hand coming in and it's actually a white person or whatever. A bit of of Russell Coit style. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Coit style comedy there. Here we go. It was very. Yeah, it was Charlie the Wonder Dog's hand. Yeah. It was very. I'm going to be accused of being wokey. It was very Anglo-Saxon, wasn't it? Well, I guess. I guess that you couldn't do the black thing because everyone's white in this. Yeah. So, but it was the '90s. There were no black people on television, in, apart from Ernie Dingo would occasionally turn up. Well, we do have a few more seconds of the episode left, 
So because after the promo is played, an argument breaks out after Mike points out Brooke got more screen time with the swearing and everything else. But And then now it's Shelly versus Kate versus M, and then it's Dom versus M, and then everyone uh, turns around when someone arrives. Sorry, can I help you? I'm Sam Murphy, your new executive producer. Hi. Welcome to our family. Love it. Perfect introduction. Yes. Good ending. Yeah, the episode was dedicated to Bruno Lawrence. Yep. Yeah. Now that concludes Frontline Season 2, Episode 1, and the Champagne Comedy Podcast, Episode 54. Hooray, we made it. Yeah. Now you can go. Uh, yeah, we're back into the swing of things. Yeah, rusty as all hell, but we got there. So <laughs> feel free, trust me, there's a lot of stuff that you won't hear <laughs> that I've edited out. Um, and so you can reach out to us, email champagnelateshow at gmail.com, and then check the episode's show notes for all our socials because they constantly change. Um, uh, and also Facebook search Champagne Comedy Podcast Group. Buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TLS Champagne Pod. And thank you, as always, uh, to Alison, Daniel and Kim for turning up, as well as you, the listener. So Yay. thanks for listening. Catch See you next ya. episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au. Seriously, do you want to listen to the Sale of the Century rap? No. <laughs> oh, go on. Oh, all right, hold on. Who am I? Who am I? Sale of the Century. All right, well, let's go for it. We have three new challenges. Time to welcome our carryover champ back. And, 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 and our carryover champ is... The challenges come from all over the land. Just a party with Glenn. He's a main man. $20 starting money. Good luck. And if the question's hard, we hope you don't get stuck. Think the answers are a breeze until Glenn says sorry. More information, please. And when the score is tied, we have a tiebreaker. And Santa Bryant's our official adjudicator. Hey, what a great game. Here we go. Yo, we got fast money. A wham, bam, pow. 30 seconds on the clock, and your time starts now. Everybody's psyched up, starting to rock. Then suddenly, it's over to Glenn. Stop the clock. Round one, round two, round three, round four now. Who would you like from the Fame Game board? There's faces of celebrity and sport and identity. We've got cash card, wild card, winning card, car card. Which of our famous faces would you like? Let's play cash card. Everybody's favorite game. It's a close game. Winners and losers, prizes for viewers. Yeah. Let's go shopping. Here's Nikki in the gift shop. Oh. Now let's go Here's Nikki in the gift shop. Yeah. Normally $2,750, but tonight, just $10. Here's tonight's cash jackpot. Will you risk the car and all the prizes? I'll give you 10 seconds to think about it. champion. Will we see you again tomorrow night? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Sam. What a great game. Sam. Sam. Take care, we'll see you tomorrow night. Enormous penis!